Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We would love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit our website at www.lifechurchofrichmond.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. of the Lord. We bless your holy name, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Lord, you are good. You really, really, really are God, and I bless your holy name. Your mercy endures forever. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. see Robert Jones back there, both hands raised. For those of you who weren't here and don't know, Wednesday, Wednesday evening, he woke up. I might get part of this wrong. If I do, Robert can correct it later, but he got tonsillitis, got a bad infection. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, woke up, couldn't breathe. In some course during the day, took him to the hospital. April called me. I said, well, keep me informed. I'm getting ready to head to church for first Wednesday prayer. I said, call me when you get there. She called me. She said, he's in the emergency room. They're getting ready to intubate him. I said, oh my Lord. I said, I'm on my way. When I got there, they'd not yet intubated him, but they were taking him to ICU. He couldn't breathe. And all I can say is two days later, there he is. Raise those hands. They never did intubate him. God touched him. God's done that for many, many, many people. There's a lot of versions of that story that a lot of us can tell. Robert, we love you. Glad glad you didn't go see Jesus yet. (laughs) Amen. It's good to be home today. Last weekend, Robert and I had an opportunity to minister in Lumberton, Texas, to a church that uh, was completely destroyed in Hurricane Harvey. And... uh, They got everything rebuilt. We were there. We had an opportunity to share with them from our own lives what it's like to survive a crisis of your faith. And there was such a beautiful move of God and a beautiful presence of the Lord. My wife is out of town again today ministering in Florida at a ladies' retreat. So can I just take a moment? She's not here to say this, to hear me say this, just to remind you all how blessed we are to have such an amazing pastor's wife at Life Church. I think sometimes we forget 
just how awesome she really is. And I'm going to tell you right now, she stole the show last week in Texas. She did. And uh, so I, I love her. Looking forward to her coming home tomorrow. Luke chapter 5, verse 20. And Texas is awesome, but I'm going to tell you right now, I'm glad to be home in Virginia. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 5, verse 20. It's also good to have my friend here, Tim McCurry. In case you're wondering, look, you look her in the sound booth, it looks like they're having a conference in the sound booth. It's because we got all of our media people back there. We just installed a new digital sound system. And I just want you to know we are trying to keep our sound where we're not hurting anybody's ears. We're doing everything we can. We're spending money on good equipment. It's good to have Tim. Why don't you raise your hand? I've known Tim for almost 30 years. It has been 30 years. Tim's a good friend of mine. He's here helping us today with our new sound equipment. And if we mess up really bad next week, we might need you to come back, Tim. But he's back there training our team today. Luke chapter 5, verse 20. It says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. I love that story. Jesus says, which one's harder to do? Forgive sins or tell somebody to take up their bed and walk? They didn't respond. He said, well, let me just show you why I have the authority to forgive sins. Get up and walk, man. I love that. You know, some people can talk trash. Some people just do what they got to do. Verse 25, and immediately as everybody watched, the man jumped up picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Amen. I want to preach on this subject today, forgiven. Forgiven. Amen. Now that fall has officially arrived, which I'm so happy it's here. Hallelujah. We're beginning to see commercials that appeal to our desire to have certain things. Matter of fact, right now, you can go to Walmart today after church, and you can buy decorations for Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas all at the same time. By the way, it's only 11 more weeks till Christmas. So it's still not too late to add me to your gift list. Amen. The advertising industry makes billions of dollars blurring the lines between our wants and our needs. Their plan is to convince consumers that we must need, we must have, or we cannot live without the things that in reality are only things that we want. And let me tell you something, advertisers are getting creative. I just heard on the news this morning that Facebook through Instagram is now getting ready to, they're testing some new advertising strategies using the location services on your phone. And by the way, and what they're doing now, they're going to be doing, they're testing it in some markets, is 
based on the location that you are in, they're going to be sending you ads from restaurants and stores in that area to your phone. Hey, welcome to 2018. So they're going to remind us, and they're trying to let us know, hey, you need this. You need that. Or you really would like to have this product. Now, the more skilled the advertisers are at convincing us that we need our wants, the more successful they are at moving their product. And after the advertiser's done his best, we usually come to the conclusion that we really don't need this product, and amazingly, we find out we can survive without it. So it really kind of begs the question, what do I really need? See, the truth of the matter is that we do have some genuine needs. Physically, we have a few basic needs like food and water and shelter. Emotionally, we have needs like acceptance and love and companionship and friendship. But I want you to remember something important. We also have spiritual needs as well. Things like faith, hope, love, peace, community with others. But see, there's one thing that surpasses them all that we really need in the spiritual realm, and that is forgiveness. See, we want forgiveness from our peers and our family when we've wronged them because it makes life more pleasant and it helps sustain our relationships. But we need forgiveness from God because it doesn't just make life good, it makes eternal life possible. Amen? And today, God wants you to know that no matter what you have done, no matter how many times you have fallen or how many times you have failed him, the forgiver of sins is here today. And he is not short on mercy. He is not short on grace. He is not short on forgiveness. As a matter of fact, the Bible says it's new every morning. You do not have to walk in guilt or in condemnation. You certainly do not have to carry the heavy load of sin any longer than you choose to because Jesus, the forgiver of sins, is in this place. And you know, unfortunately, I don't think we hear this message in churches enough anymore, but it really is quite simple. We are born in sin. We are sinners, but because of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you and I can be set free today. That is the gospel. He has come to give you his grace, his mercy, and his forgiveness. Occasionally, I make it to the gym. It's been a while. But when I do go, I, I like to go to Gold's Gym in Mechanicsville. I used to go to a place that was $30 a month. Gold's Gym is $9 a month. You do the math, amen? Especially when you only go about once a month. But when I do go, I like to go to the cardio room that they have there so I can run on the elliptical. The treadmill hurts my knees and my ankles, and the elliptical is just a little bit easier on me. And in that cardio room, they've got a big screen, and they're always playing some movie. Now, because I'm walking in in the middle of the movie, it's usually difficult, sometimes it's even impossible, to really understand what's going on. You know, and if it's really boring... I get out of there early. If it's something exciting, I might actually get in a few extra steps of cardio that day. 
But it's hard to figure out what's going on when you walk in or when you turn on a movie right in the middle, right? You know what is true for movies is also true in the Bible. Sometimes it's impossible to truly appreciate what is going on the Bible in the Bible if you don't really know the whole story. And that includes the issue of sin and forgiveness without really understanding what happened in the beginning. The first three chapters of Genesis are particularly important in understanding the story of sin and forgiveness. Genesis chapter 3 tells the story of the fall of man and the entry of sin into our human nature. Before this time, angels had already sinned in heaven, but this chapter, chapter 3, records the first occurrence of sin in the human race. Most of you might be aware of the story, Adam and Eve, who were the ancestors of the entire human race, they disobeyed God and they sinned. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 actually tells us that through one man, Adam, sin entered into the world. And now every one of us, every human being now inherits not only the flesh and blood from Adam and Eve, but we also have his sinful nature. That's what the Bible tells us. The New Testament and the Old Testament declare this truth. Matter of fact, Psalm 51 and verse 5 says this, For I was born a sinner, yes, notice, from the moment my mother conceived me. Unless you were hatched, you were born a sinner. And by the way, if you were hatched, please don't tell me. Because I might not be, I might be creeped out a little bit when I get around you. But we were born sinners. What is sin? I could give you a lot of different versions of an answer, but basically sin is to violate God's law or anything that we allow to come between us and our relationship with Christ. Now, by the way, I'm not going to preach about this today, but I want you to know there's some things that might be a sin to Joe that are not a sin to Rodney, that are not a sin to me. I might have an issue that's not an issue for Kevin Coley, but hear me, if that issue becomes a barrier to my walk with God, it becomes a sin to me. Kevin and I might be dealing with the same issue, but it doesn't affect him the same way it does me. It becomes a sin in my life. So let's not be so quick to just have our labels of sins and things that are okay and things that are gray because you know in your heart what you struggle with and what comes between you and God. And if you allow anything to come between you and God, that issue is a sin issue in your life. Does that make sense? See, I just threw that in for free. That was just bonus stuff. Sin also means to miss the mark. Humanity has missed the mark. We're unable to live up to God's standards on our own. Another Greek word for sin means lawlessness. It can be described as a mindset that pushes against the law of God. Now, this much is clear. We are all sinners by our human nature. Therefore, we need a new and a changed nature through Jesus Christ. According to Romans 3.23, it says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So you don't have to be a Bible scholar to understand the fact that we're all sinners. We can observe the sin nature even in an innocent child. He's got to be taught to tell the truth. You've got to encourage and enforce telling the truth throughout his life. Lying comes naturally to a child, doesn't it? Harming others when they're angry comes naturally to a child. When a child's caught with his hand in the cookie jar, his inventive little mind will create some story to try to convince mom and dad that he did not really do what they saw him do. 
I'll never forget one time when I was a little boy, and I don't know if I told this story in church or not. One time when I was a little boy, me and my cousin went with my dad, and we were selling wood. And after we got done selling wood, we went to the grocery store. And we were in there, and, and my cousin had a little bit of money in his pocket. So we were going through the line, and you know they put all that candy in there. It used to be for the kids. Now it's for the grown-ups. I figured that out. But I really, really wanted a pack of cherry certs. Really bad. Not certs. Lifesavers. Certs are for old people. Lifesavers are for candy. I wanted some cherry lifesavers. And my dad said, I don't have the money to buy you any lifesavers today. And I was, I was really disappointed. I was little. My cousin Bink had money. Bink was his nickname. Bink had some money, and he bought him some candy. And my dad was buying stuff. And when we came out, we got in the car. I had some cherry syrups, cherry lifesavers. And I acquired those illegally as an eight-year-old. My dad asked me, he said, buddy, he said, where did you get those lifesavers? And in my inventive mind, I thought as quick as I could. I was moving fast. I was on my feet. I said, Dad, I was just standing here on the sidewalk, and they came rolling down the sidewalk to me. <laughs> My dad said, okay, well, I'm going to take you to the police station, and you're going to take a lie detector test. So he acted like he was going to the police station. It took me like 30 seconds before I burst into tears. I said, Dad, I'm sorry. I, 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 those really didn't roll down the sidewalk. He said, oh, Really? I took those certs. See, you don't have to teach a kid how to lie or steal or harm something. You have to teach them not to do those things. See, that's in our nature. It doesn't mean that we're bad. It just means we have a fallen nature. And we will continue to deal with it every single day of our lives. You deal with it at work. You deal with it at home. You deal with it when you're watching TV. You deal with it when you're on the phone. You deal with it all the time. We all do. So soon after God created Adam and he placed him in the garden, God gave Adam one prohibition. He said, there's this long list of do's, all this great stuff that you get to do, but there's only one thing I don't want you to do. Now, see, can I just tell you, by the way, there was no power in that fruit. The power was in the covenant that God made with Adam. There wasn't some mystical fruit that just had magic to it. The magic was the fact that God had said, "If you, I want you to walk in obedience to my commands, and there's this one thing I don't want you to do. Adam was not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God assured Adam, he said, the day that you eat of that fruit, you will surely die. That was Genesis 2.17. Adam disobeyed God's instruction. He suffered the consequences. He lost his good standing in his relationship with God because of his disobedience. And what was true for Adam is still true for us today. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But fortunately, God has also provided a means of redemption from the penalty which we all rightly deserve. Romans chapter 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift, throw that on the screen for me, Craig, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And see, no matter how much you and I try, you cannot save yourself. 
It's impossible for us to save ourselves. Man's usual attempts is to perform good works. We hope that on the divine scales, God, uh, God will look at our good works and it will overweight the balance, uh, overbalance the weight of our sins. But our good behavior or kind deeds will not save us. Something is needed to take away the sin. Something that man cannot provide for himself. We must have forgiveness. And because of Jesus, we can be forgiven. See, Jesus gives us the greatest thing that we need when he forgives us of our sins. Where does he get the right and authority to forgive our sins? See, this was the dilemma he was in in the text that I just read. Forgiveness can only be granted by the injured party. See, if Kevin does something to hurt my feelings, Rodney can't forgive Kevin for me. I'm the offended party. I have to offer forgiveness. And forgiveness can only be granted by the injured party. The offender cannot determine the elements of forgiveness. Only someone who has been offended. True forgiveness flows from the heart of the wronged party. We need to think about that in regard to sin. Only the wrong party can decide what is necessary to bring about forgiveness, and we got to remember that sin is an offense against God. It's a breach of God's law. Therefore, only God has the authority to forgive us our sins. When Adam ate of the forbidden uh, tree in the Garden of Eden, he sinned against God. He broke God's law and violated God's will. He willfully chose to disobey and wrong God, and since God was the injured party, only God could forgive Adam. You see, our sin is really no different than Adam's. It involves breaking God's law. Our sin might injure another human, or it might be harmful to our own body. But hear me, the primary offense of sin is always against God. And since God's the one that's sinned against, He's the only one that is able to grant us eternal forgiveness. Not only do the early chapters of Genesis tell us about the entry of sin into the human race, they also give us a glimpse of the cure for sin. Again, this is the beginning of the movie that you've got to understand. When Adam and Eve sinned, they became aware of their nakedness, and the shame of sin caused them to desire a covering, and they stitched together fig leaves. Read the story for a covering. But in spite of those fig leaves, they remained spiritually naked, and Adam and Eve's fig leaf covering was not sufficient because it just covered their physical nakedness. Their spiritual sin was still there. God gave the first hint of how the cure for sin would come about when he slew an animal. And he gave Adam and Eve coverings made from the skin of an animal. See, the killing of the animal is the first indication that God was going to require the shedding of blood for the redemption story. See, the rest of the Old Testament adds, it's not a pretty story, it's a bloody story. Adam's son Abel killed a lamb and offered it as an acceptable sacrifice to the Lord in Genesis chapter 4. Abraham slew a lamb as a substitutionary sacrifice for Isaac in Genesis chapter 22. Just prior to their exodus from Egypt, every Hebrew had to sprinkle the blood of a lamb on the doorposts of their homes, and the death angel saw this blood and passed over every house. That was in Exodus chapter 12. Moses gave instructions to the priest concerning the shedding of blood on the Day of Atonement in Leviticus chapter 16. Peter summed up the New Testament revelation of the power of the blood when he wrote this in 1 Peter 1, 18, 19. You can see it on the screen. It says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. 
it was not paid with mere gold or silver which lose their value. Look at verse 19. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Why don't you give him a praise right now? says God paid a ransom it was the blood of Christ it was the precious blood of Jesus that purchased forgiveness for us it wasn't gold it wasn't silver the sinless spotless lamb that's what the Bible called him died in our place so that we could be forgiven one day as John the Baptist was baptizing in the Jordan River he looked up and he saw Jesus coming down the hill John did not cry out here comes my cousin although that would have been true. He did not say, here comes the son of David, although that would have been true. He did not even say, here comes the son of God. That would have been true too. All of these statements were true, but you know what John cried out? Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. John identified the primary mission of Jesus to this world. He was to become the sacrificial lamb of God. In the Old Testament, they had lambs, they had goats, they had doves. They had different things that they sacrificed, but it was the shed blood of Jesus Christ at Calvary under the new covenant that makes our salvation possible. Did you know Hebrews 9.22 says, Without shedding of blood, there is no remission. In other words, it's saying if Jesus would not have shed his blood, there would be no forgiveness for our sins. The only thing that will purge sin from a person's life is the blood of the Lamb of God, the blood of Jesus, the forgiver of our sins. Amen. See, the Bible's not just a study of possibilities. It does not just indicate that man's sins could be forgiven. The Bible is also a record of time and place where actual events took place. Jesus was, and he still does, give you and I forgiveness. There's places in the scripture that pointed out, like the man whose story is recorded in Luke chapter 5. His name was not mentioned, but he told us that he was sick, and he was crippled, and he was unable to walk. Four of his friends carried him to a house where Jesus was speaking, and the crowd was so, so uh, thick and so strong and he, they were unable to find a way to get this man in the house. So the Bible says, read the story. It's pretty interesting. It says they climbed up on the roof, and they tore a hole in the roof. And they lowered their friend down to where Jesus was. They were so desperate to get this man to Jesus that they ripped a hole in the roof, and they let him down. And the crowd, I'm sure they were shocked. Can you imagine right now if we were having church, if somebody just tore a big hole right in this roof? and started lowering somebody down. I'm pretty sure nobody would be paying attention to anything that I would say. But you know what? They were even more astounded by the first words that Jesus said to the sick man, Luke 5 and 20. Man, thy sins are forgiven. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What, well, hold on a minute. Okay, we understand. We really don't know how you're doing it. We understand how you're healing folks. You're touching blind eyes. You've been unstopping deaf ears. Here comes a crippled dude down through the roof. We were kind of expecting you to say something or maybe lay hands on him and watch him get up off the bed like we've seen you do other places. Jesus, we're, kind of, we're, we're here for the healing show. What did you just say? 
man, your sins are forgiven thee. Read the story. The scribes in the crowd, the Pharisees in the crowd, they were listening there that day. They knew him as a healer. They recognized him as a great teacher, even though his teachings troubled them and confused them. But this was different. This was different. He's forgiving sins. He's a blasphemer. Why Why would they think he was a blasphemer? Because they understood that only God could forgive sins. And right they were. What they did not know was that Jesus Christ was God robed in the flesh. The spotless, sinless Lamb of God. He was the sin forgiver. There's another story in Luke chapter 7. We don't know this person's name either. This time it was a woman. Jesus was the dinner guest of Simon the Pharisee. This woman came up and she began weeping and her tears fell on the feet of Jesus and then she wiped his feet with her hair and she kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment that was poured out from an expensive alabaster box that she had. And then Jesus turned to this woman and did the same thing. Luke 7, 48. Your sins are forgiven thee. The dinner companions that day probably about choked on their food. They questioned. Matter of fact, like Luke 7, 49, they said, who is this that forgives sin? Once again, they failed to realize who Jesus was. They, they knew him as an entertaining dinner guest. They, they thought of him as a wise teacher, but they failed to see him as God in the flesh with the authority to forgive sins. Remember what I told you earlier. Only the one who is trespassed against has the right to forgive sins. And my message today is a simple one, but it's an important one from the Bible. We are all sinners We all need to be forgiven of that sin. And Jesus paid the price for that forgiveness. Did you know the word sin is a word word that's not spoken in a lot of churches anymore today? Because they don't want to offend people. They don't want to hurt people's feelings. They they don't want to make Christians feel like they still have to deal with sin. Can I just tell you right now, I don't care if you are a Christian, you still have to deal with sin in your life. And if you don't think you do, one of your sins is denial. (laughs) See, because we all have to wrestle with the sin issue. I want to ask the praise team and the prayer team to come at this time. And today as we close this service, I want you to know that God has come to meet you where you are. I don't know who I'm talking to today. And I... I I gave up a long time ago trying to razzle-dazzle people with fancy sermons. I came here to tell you that we all deal with sin and that Jesus is here to deal with our sin. God knows you're not perfect. If you were, you wouldn't need Him. But it was at Calvary that Jesus gave Himself as the Lamb of God. His blood took the place of every animal sacrifice in the Old Testament. His blood provided the means for the new covenant that we are in today. His blood is what provides the redemption for our sins. I'd like to ask you to stand with me all over this room. But Here's what I want you to understand. Do not miss this. The blood of Christ does not block out man's sin in a universal sense. 
It's got to be applied individually to each of our lives. Just because he shed his blood doesn't mean the whole world is forgiven. The whole world can be but there's an individual appropriation that needs to take place in our lives. The first step for any one of us, and you need to be comfortable with this phrase, is to recognize I am a sinner and I need Christ's forgiveness. We are all sinners who are alienated from God until we receive His forgiveness. I used to have a friend, and he used to get so offended when I would say that we're just sinners saved by grace. He said, I'm not a sinner anymore. Well, you can call yourself whatever you want to. I know what I am. I'm a believer. I'm a child of God. But I'm still flesh. If you got a problem with that, you need to read the writings of the Apostle Paul. Paul wrestled every day with issues. Just a sinner saved by grace. We are all sinners who are alienated from God until we receive His forgiveness in our lives. You know how it works? The Holy Spirit begins to convict us and make us aware of our sin. He's doing that right now in this room with some of you. And that's a good thing. But we got to recognize our sinful condition. But guess what? Recognizing it alone is insufficient. Identifying, if you go to the doctor and he identifies, Gary, a sickness in your life, you don't want him just to tell you, hey, I found a broken bone. You know what you want him to do? Put a cast on it. Fix it. Because I don't want to be a cripple my entire life. When my wife, a few years ago, found out that she had cancer, I didn't just want them to tell us we had cancer. Tell us what we got to do to receive healing medically. God stepped in and healed spiritually, and I thank Him for that. But see, it's not, hear me, it's not just enough to recognize, hey, I'm a sinner, I'm a bad guy, I'm a bad person, or I've done wrong. No, no, that's insufficient. You've got to also want forgiveness and freedom from your sin. See, the Holy Spirit will help to draw you to that decision. Acts chapter 2, Peter preached to the crowd the gospel of Christ. Read it. He told them all about what they had done to the son of David. He told them all about how Jesus was really the Messiah and how they had falsely accused him and falsely had crucified him. But guess what? Just hearing the gospel was not enough. What if they all just walked away after hearing that sermon that day? It wasn't enough. The Holy Spirit convicted them. And then they had to act on that conviction. They were ready to do something to find relief and forgiveness from their sins. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Put it up on the screen for me. Now when they heard this, heard what? The preaching of the gospel. They were pricked in their hearts. That means they were convicted. They felt bad. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Guys, this is the most important question you'll ever ask when you're confronted with your sin. This is the most important question that you'll ever ask when you realize, I'm just a sinner and I need God's help. What do I do? Verse 38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent 
He baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Do you remember what I said Hebrews said? Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. See, the method for dealing with sin is still the same today. Hear me. Don't miss this. You must not just recognize your sin, but you must believe and confess Jesus as the Son of God. But see, that even is not enough. There's a lot of people that believe in God. But you've got to confess Him as the Son of God. You've got to invite Him into your life. And you do that by repenting of your sins and putting your faith in Jesus Christ. In the book of James, it even says that the devil believes in God. He trembles. So just believing in God's not enough. You've got to act on that belief. Just recognizing you have sin is not enough. You've got to act on that sin. And you do that real simple. One word, Peter said, repent. Repent. And when we do that, the Bible says that he is faithful and just to forgive us. When somebody really loves you and you say, I'm sorry, you know what they say back? I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. Like the crippled man or the woman with the alabaster box, it doesn't even matter what your name is. It doesn't matter what your station in life is. You may have even invited Christ into your life years ago, but you've strayed away from Him. And I know God's talking to you right now. Maybe you never really moved past that initial decision. You just kind of prayed a prayer and then you stopped. Did you know you can receive that forgiveness when you make your way to Jesus Christ? The only thing you need, the most important thing you and I need today is His forgiveness and His grace. So today I'm getting ready to open this altar. And I want to begin, I want to first invite anyone who has not asked Christ to come into their life through confession and repentance. I want to invite you to come to this altar and ask God to forgive you of your sins. And we have a prayer team that's right here. Amen. I also want to invite anyone who has never been baptized in water in the name of Jesus for the remission of those sins. I just read that verse to you to come forward, and we will baptize you today if you want to be baptized. I also want to invite anyone who has never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit to come forward today, and we will pray for you to receive this empowerment from Christ, the Spirit of God in your life. I also want to invite anyone that feels like they're backslidden, or maybe they've drifted away from God. The reason doesn't matter. How long you've been away doesn't matter. What you need is forgiveness. His grace is new every morning. So you can make a brand new start today. You know what I wish? I wish visually I could, I could, I wish I had a giant chalkboard up here. And I could just write every sin that you and I have ever committed. Lying, cheating, stealing, lust, pride, anger, greed, dishonesty, bitterness, 
unfaithfulness and just right and right and right. And then I wish I had a big bucket of blood and I could just go and throw it on the screen and just watch it all run down in a clean slate. Did you know that's what happens when you say, Lord, forgive me. It just starts dissolving and going away. This slate becomes clean. Real quickly, I'm going to open this altar right now. I want to invite you to come. Any of those things that I've mentioned in prayer, please come out, step out from where you are. Don't just walk away. You need Christ's forgiveness, His refreshing in your life. Would you come as the praise team begins to sing? Don't miss this opportunity. Don't miss this opportunity. I gotta believe there's more than just one. Come on.
Just get 